When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! Brilliant! That is. Schoolboy's own stuff. And still Ricky Villa. What a fantastic run. He scored. Tony Parks is the hero. It's in for Tottenham. They've come from behind and Spurs lead Chelsea. Ericsson's in here. Oh, brilliant finish. Christian Ericsson on his birthday. Hello guys and welcome back to The Last Word on Spurs. You can follow the show across a variety of different platforms. We're on Twitter at Last Word on Spurs. You can also find us on Facebook and also not forgetting Instagram. On this Last Word on Spurs, we'll be dissecting the performance against Manchester City on Saturday. We'll be taking your questions for the panel and potentially looking ahead to Burnley, although we know we've got about a week or so's time ahead. So let's introduce my guest for today, taking us through the show. We've got Jason back on the show. Jace, how are you? Not too good, mate. It was a, was a tough old day yesterday, wasn't it? It was. Day, day, day was a disaster from the moment I woke up and Australia were 500 for four. And you just thought, <laughs> mm, I hope that's not an omen for later on. And, and it just got worse and worse and worse as the day went on. It did, it did. I mean, Chase, on paper, listen, it's a, it's a brilliant Man City side going into this one under Guardiola, but my overall feeling after that game was surely our starting eleven is better than that performance and you can't give them gifts like that first goal. I mean, we see to dug our own grave at times to an extent and it ended up being a routine win for City. How, how did you see the game? We were completely outthought, outplayed, you know, just about everything that, uh, everything you need to do in a football match, they did a lot better than we did and, Let's be fair about it. Four four one flattered us. It could have been could have been even worse than that. And um, nothing went for us all day, other than the fact that we could have ended up with two red cards as well. And perhaps that's about the only positive you can take from the game. But um, it was a was a humbling experience for us, wasn't it? And we ended up looking like a really poor 
almost like a relegation threatened side rather than being the side that we all think that we are. Yeah. It's a real tough one to explain, isn't it? Because people are kind of obviously throwing out this stat out there, Jason. I'm going to have to get your thoughts on it as much as it's a horrendous stat. It's one win in 18 over Pochettino against top six sides and it's four wins in just 98 for Spurs in the Premier League against the big teams. We seem to have a real weak mentality that many people argue doesn't change away from home. Is it down to mentality first and foremost, do you think? Or is it more than that? I think it's, 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 it's I, I think it's a little bit more to it than that. I mean, I think the the, the four wins in '98, whilst whilst that reflects as a club as a whole, you know, for, for a lot of those '98 games, we were a relegation threatened side ourselves. So you, you're not going to go away and win at the at the top clubs. I think you can only really compare it in the last two and a bit seasons under Pochettino. When I mean, even his first season. You know, when you got players like Kabul and Kapue and the, the Adi Bayor and such in the team, we were a, a ramshackle outfit. And, and let's be fair about it, the season before he took over, we were getting beat by six at Manchester City and four at Anfield and, and looking a, completely out of, you know, all over the place. So I think you, you can genuinely look at it in the last two and a half seasons. And uh, our away form isn't good enough against those sides. And I thought yesterday, as, as the game went on, we looked like a total lack of belief and such insider so it is definitely a problem um and one that we have to solve if we're to truly look like a a, a side that can compete at the very top of the table yeah but against that i mean the strange thing with the mentality is our home record against those sides is actually really strong i think we've only lost two was it two in 15 of those games at home under pochettino since you know since then since he's taken over so that doesn't suggest it's a a mentality of, of the pure fact you're facing one of those top top sides. And as, as I think I've said before, nobody's record in those away games is actually that good. Or is it five wins, I think, is the best. But, you know, as that, that doesn't excuse the fact that ours is nowhere near good enough. No, it doesn't. But in, t- in terms of the game, Jace, against City, you know, we've not lost domestically more than two goals since the Newcastle game. That absolute shambles. And what's worse for me is that we made it so easy for them. Can you... Can you put your finger on why we made it so easy for them again yesterday? I mean, don't get me wrong, City are a great side, but we didn't help ourselves in that performance. We didn't, but there's two ways to approach the game, isn't there? There's the way, and I saw somebody say that we were so negative yesterday. I don't think you could actually say we were negative by the fact that we were trying to... We played with Sonny and came very much up top, and we, we tried to press really, really high. So I don't think that's negative. I think negative would have been going there and parking the bus. And, and I've seen lots of people say, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, perhaps that's the way we should have gone. But they've played, what, 18 games now, City, and I think 15 teams have parked the bus against them, and 14 have got beaten. Yep. So there's no guarantee if you park the bus you get anything. And I think for a, for a side like ourselves, I want to see us go there and try and win the game. Mm. I want to see us go there and try and impose our will on them. Now, um, so I I wouldn't criticise the game plan at the very, very start of the game, even though it it was going to leave us exposed a little bit. I think, you know, we were trying to say, look, they've got Mangala and Otamendi as their two centre-halves. We've got to, if you're going to win the game against City, you've got to get Otamendi and Mangala. And the only way you're going to do that is by leaving players up the pitch rather than one striker isolated. So I can understand the the, the basic game plan going into it. But then as, as the game evolves and it's clearly not working, that's perhaps when you think, you know what, we, we might have to change something here. But obviously, 
even if we had changed something, by then we're 1-0 down to a really soft goal. So you think, OK, let's park the bus now and, and try and do damage limitation. But the end result of that is you've still lost the game. So it, it's really difficult. We rode our luck to half-time. Let's be fair, we could have gone in at half-time, you know, three or four down oh, even yeah. then. And it, yeah. and and you could start to see it becoming a game a little bit like last year where City were, were rampant for an hour and, and somehow we got something from it. And that, that first little spell in that second half, you thought, I'm not saying we played well in that time, but we, we looked like, do you know what, we've, we've got through the worst of this and we looked a little bit, I suppose those first 15, 20 minutes of the second half, we looked more likely to score at that stage than they did. But we never really created that one absolute clear-cut chance you could hope for. And then, obviously, the, the, we then just fell apart in the last 20 minutes. And that's the that's the, the toughest thing to take because you, you sense there was a few heads down, a few people weren't weren't thinking. Delhi's tackle, Eric Dyer's last 10 minutes, you know, even the, the way that Jan took De Bruyne down, it was as if, you know, we've completely lost. reminded me a little bit of the last 20 minutes at Chelsea. In, in the in the the infamous battle of the bridge game, and we just just lost our heads, and we were all over the place at that stage, and that was that's a worrying sign, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I saw many people on Twitter yesterday saying we resorted to dirty tactics. You know, people don't like to see that side of Spurs, but you know, in arguments in the past, Spurs have been called soft. What did you make of the tackles from Kane and Delhi, Jace? Honestly, on that one. Well, I thought Kane when I first saw it, I didn't have too much of a problem. When you see it from the various angles, I think he's incredibly lucky to, to stay on the pitch. I don't think he intended to do that, but you know, to, for a bad foul, it doesn't have to be an intentional bad foul for it to be a red card, does it? Does and let's be fair. There, Jace, do you think, I think it probably does. The type of character that he is, uh, not not so much that he's England captain, just the type of character that he is. Mm. But he's nowhere near the ball. He's caught Sterling, you know, halfway between the knee and the, the ankle, and it's completely studs studs into the into the leg. So I think let's let's just say had he got red, I don't think we could have complained about it. That's for sure. And and I always flip it. If that had been Kevin De Bruyne on Harry Kane, we'd have demanded a red card for it. So, you know, had it been red, and then Delhi's one catches the top of the ball, top, well, the top inch of the ball, but it's the follow through, and 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 Ali's one looked, I'm not going to say premeditated, but it, it certainly didn't look as innocent as Kane's, did it? Because as he goes in for it, he's kind of half turning as if he doesn't want to get the whack himself as well, and and I think because of that Ghent Ghent incident, you think. Mm, you know, was there a little bit of foot in there? So, and again, I think if that had been red, I don't think you could complain. The flip side of that is Otamendi. Otamendi was dangerously high on Kane. Let's be fair, when he kicks he him was. in the face. So, you know, all three of those could quite conceivably be in red cards. But but certainly we got away with two. And, and the impact of that is with Burnley, Southampton and West Ham on the horizon, you know, both Ali and Kane would have got three game bans. So um, we're, we're fortunate to have those players over the next three games. And even Yan should have got booked for the, for the penalty, shouldn't he? Really. I mean, that had to be a yellow card for, for completely taking De Bruyne down. And he'd have missed Burnley as well. So that's probably about the only positive to take from the game. What about Dembele's performance, Jason? Many people were kind of, I'm not sure what the word to say, is there comes this maybe realisation that Dembele's legs maybe in these big, big games just can't hack it. Is that fair? I mean, I think Keith Gearing says, is it time now with Musa to maybe take him out, out of the team as he passed his best? What's your thoughts on Musa's Dembélé's performance against City? Well, well, I think I said it in the in the Arsenal game. He is really struggling to get around the pitch now. Um, 
against those bigger sides. You, Moussa Dembele can still play a role for us at home to to Southampton, at home to Bournemouth, at home to Swansea, things like that, where where they're going to sit deep and we're going to have the freedom of midfield. But I think you, you're starting to see now he is really struggling against the the, the better midfields, if you like. Uh, and he, he just can't get around the pitch like he used to. So he's, he's now arriving that split second later and that, that re- results in foul after foul after foul from him. Let's be fair, his yellow card was, was long overdue yesterday. There was the, the little bit where he handballed deliberately and that should have been the yellow card for him. And, and that was just a case of, I can't get there. So he stuck his arm up and, and almost caught a ball, didn't he, to to stop a through pass. And, and you're looking at it thinking, his legs his legs look like they've, I wouldn't say gone, but they're, they're certainly on their last lap, put it that way. And um, it's a big concern going forward. And I think the whole problems kind of stem from there. You know, Winks wasn't able to get around midfield. Dembele wasn't able to get around midfield, which left De Bruyne the the freedom of the part. Let's be fair, they didn't have David Silver. No. I mean, if they'd yeah. have had David Silver, it could have been even worse in there. But, um, you know, they were able to pick passes at will, find players at will, and from that moment on, against a high-quality side, you're, you're really, really in trouble. Yeah. I mean, the hardest thing for me to con- comprehend, Jess, is that our, our lack of composure on the ball. You know, Winksy, he's been brilliant since he's come on the scene for Spurs, and he's a young, young player, so we don't want to get on his back too much, but... You know, he's one of the players, normally you guarantee, JC, he'd hold the ball for you, you know, keep the ball composed and pass it off. But again, JC, he just didn't seem to have a, a great game. Do you think he needs a rest, Winksy? It's still very, very early on into his Spurs career. And he's had a regular run of games this season as well throughout, you know, a couple of injuries. Is there an argument to maybe have said he wasn't the right person to start? Well, I think the problem with that is, if he doesn't start, who does? Mm. You know, we haven't got Wanyama. No. We've got Dyer that's having to play in the back four, so those two can't play in midfield. You've got Dembele that's struggling for legs. You've got Winks that, that might need a rest and doesn't hasn't perhaps looked looks like uh, he's back to his best since he came back from that injury. And so, you know, I, I actually sat there, and, and as much as people are going to give you pelters for it, we missed Moussa Sissoko's just running around with, it, with that little bit of energy to try and close players down. We didn't miss Moussa Sissoko on the ball. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying if Moussa Sissoko plays, we win that game. But we weren't able to get around the pitch in midfield, as you say. We weren't able to hold the ball. Sissoko wouldn't help that. But the first thing was, we just weren't closing people down quick enough in there. And that's the one thing that Moussa Sissoko might have given us yesterday. Uh, as I say, don't don't make the mistake of me thinking that if Moussa Sissoko yeah, plays, everything's mm. all right. Because we all know the problems of... Moussa Sissoko but as people have said why are we persisting in Moussa Sissoko perhaps yesterday you saw the answer that we just need his energy in there because he's our only genuinely fit player that can play in there at the moment I will bring it on to January shortly Jay so I know we want to try and stick to very much of the game so let's bring it back and let's take ourselves through uh, the changes made to that starting eleven before kickoff. So Rose started his second consecutive Premier League game for the first time this season, which I think was a surprise to some. Dalielli returned to the starting eleven in place of Eric Lamella, who dropped to the bench. Trippier came back in for Oria. Now that that first goal, Jace, from that corner. I mean, I think we're having a real issue at the moment. I think we've conceded three goals from corners in the last four league games: Watford, Stoke, and City. And Gundogan said it himself after the game. He couldn't believe and was absolutely stunned the amount of space he had to head in that opener. I mean, how has he got away with that, Jace? to be able to come in, free reign in the box, and put City in front without a challenge on him? I, I just couldn't believe what I was watching. 
well, I, none of us can answer that. And I think we were all screaming at that as soon as it happened. I mean, it was uh, it was shocking, wasn't it? I don't know. I don't know who would have been assigned to to make sure of that he seemed to be standing on the edge of the box, and then he just thought, Do you know what, there's a gap, and he just wandered in completely freely, free. didn't he? And yeah. you know, the fact was, he actually stooped for the header. He didn't even have to jump for it, completely unmarked, and that uh, was it was a shocking goal, wasn't it, to concede? And I don't know how we concede that goal, Rick, because it's it's a goal that Premier League teams just well, it, it's a it's a goal that professional football teams, let alone Premier League teams, just just shouldn't concede. So I'm sure there's a lot of annoyance at that. And it's only, what, 15 minutes in. And when you're playing Man City, you, you, as I said in the preview, you can't go up there and give them Christmas presents and, and concede some of the really soft goals that we do. And, and there's a, yet another one that's, that goes down on the list as being suicidal and ridiculously soft to concede goals like that. It's, that's, that's not good enough. I mean, the hardest thing is just going up there anyway, you know, against 11 versus 11, it's hard enough. But to give them a gift like that also, and then they've got a lead to defend, it makes our life even harder, doesn't it, to try and get a result up there and give them 1-0 lead? Well, exactly. I mean, we've seen our difficulties to give gifts to West Brom at Wembley when we gifted them a goal and then get something back from the game. So to go away to Manchester City and do it, that's, 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 like I say, it's suicidal to do that. It's just not good enough. Not yeah. good enough, and and as you say, you know the the three goals from corners we've conceded. Don't forget, you you can also add Mustafi's header against Arsenal to that, which was from a set piece. So you know a set piece defended at the moment is you. We feel vulnerable every time, absolutely every time, and maybe that that also has an impact on missing Toby and Wanyama in there as well. Yeah, it's it's a real disappointment over yesterday. We're trying our best to get us through it. Um, Minty Bloke at Minty Bloke Jace asks, Trippier has shown time after time he's a bigger liability than Aurea. Is Aurea first choice right back now? I presume he's alluding to that performance against Man City. Listen, it wasn't one of his greatest. Um, it looked a complete mismatch from the start, Jace. What did you make of Trippier's performance? I mean, let's be honest, I think he did deliberately. He was just outclassed on the day by Sane. No, the first thing I'll say is I wanted Trippier to start because of the, the liability that Aurier has looked. So, you know, I'm not going to come here and, and, and try and get around that. Mm. You know, I, I said Trippier would start for me. I think there's there's various parts of it. Trippier was her, was horrendous performance yesterday. Clearly not, not good enough and beaten at will time and time and time again. So I, I certainly can't offer any defence of, of his performance at all. All I would say... In, in fairness to him, that it reminded me of, of Davis against Liverpool and Sadio Mane at, uh, at Anfield last year. In, and in both of those games, Sonny played. And, and I've, I've again, I've called for Sonny to play in each game. But it looked like yesterday we, we wanted Son to play as high up the pitch with Kane as possible to get Otamendi and Mangala. So it was as if we were saying to him, look, I don't want you to come chasing back. The problem with that is it left Trippier exposed time and time again. And the, the annoying part for me was Sane not once had to beat somebody before he reached Trippier. Nobody doubled up and gave Trippier help. But he clearly, after 20 minutes, was in desperate trouble. And you're looking at that thinking, we've got to plug that gap. So he was exposed time and time again. And because we couldn't get a, around in midfield, De Bruyne was just able to pick him out with, with ease time and time again. So you think, you know, the ways to, to help him, you get somebody in front of him to, to try and double up or you stop the ball getting out to Sane in the first place. And we didn't do either of those things to help Trippier. 
and he also looked at Aguero and, and Jesus as well, the, the way that they were peeling in and between him and, and Eric Dyer on that side. And too often he's thinking, do I go inside because Aguero's now in space or do I stick out here? And every time he went in field, it left Sane. God, he had he had the freedom of Manchester, didn't he? Well, it's free reign, so, wasn't it? You know, Complete free reign. Kieran Trippier mm. had a horrendous game. I, I'm not denying that. But my God, we did absolutely nothing to try and help him in the whole game. And by the end of the game, he was caught downfield twice and, and you saw the problems there. But, you know, it wasn't good enough. We, we Aurier's pace, we know about. And we're sitting here, we want Aurier to be our first choice right back. And that's why I think you, you pay £25 million from oh, PSG. Yeah, that's what you think. We want him to be. Of course. But unfortunately, he hasn't yet stood up and made that, that shirt his own, has he? And it's it's been Aurier's weaknesses as well that every time he's played, he's looked a liability. So that's why Trippier's still in the team. It's up to Aurier to really prove and to adapt and show that, that he can be as dependable as, as Walker was last year. And when he reaches that stage, of course he's our first choice right back. But unfortunately, he's not at that stage yet. But no, there's, there's no defence for Trippier yesterday. No, you'd hope with Aurier, Jose, it comes down to coaching, doesn't it? We've seen with Pochettino, the way he's improved the full-backs, Walker, Rose, Davis, Trippier, that, you know, over time, it's proven proven fact that he gets the best out of, of full-backs and improves them. So hopefully with Aurier, he'll do the same thing because there's definitely raw qualities there you can see in him that, you know, pace alone, he's, he would obviously match Sane, but he obviously feels, just for whatever reason, I know we've seen it, there is a rashness to him that he yeah. felt he couldn't go to City yesterday with and rely on him for in such a big game where you cannot make tackles. And I haven't said that, you know, Delhi's lucky to be on the pitch, Kane's lucky to be on the pitch, Dembele to somewhat. So, I mean, Aurier as well, you add to that mix, you know, it could have been a, a real bad day for us going into that Burnley game where you Aurier's, said we have to win that as well. Exactly. Aurier's mm. got to learn to defend yeah. by staying on his feet, hasn't he? he? He goes to ground too often and that's the worry. That's the worry for him. But... Um, we all want Aurier to be our first oh, choice right back. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. And, and eventually, I'm sure he will get there. But but he has to adapt and he has to make that... He has to he has to change the, the, the problems in his own game to grab that place. When he does, I've got no doubt he's our better right back. But until then, you know, he has been a liability so far. But yes, Trippier was a liability yesterday. So, you know, and, and perhaps the way we defended yesterday, even if Aurier had played, he'd have been ruthlessly exposed. I mean, let's be fair, it's, it's Leroy Sane, who's been one of the best players in the league. You know, it's not like we've got done by, I don't know, who's the boy at Southampton? I'm Bufel. thinking of, not Ryan Bertrand. No, you know, Nathan Redmond. Oh, right, it's yeah. not like we've been no. taken apart by Nathan Redmond or mm. something. Yeah, I mean, listen, let's bring in the Danny Rose chat now before we get into the rest of the game. What did you make of his performance, Jay? Because I think yesterday, in the first half, he gave Mangala a push in the back. You know, if Mangala's less honest and goes down, you could argue that's a penalty. There's not much difference between that tackle, or whatever you want to say, decision, and the one that Everton got the penalty for Upper Anfield. I mean, what was Rose thinking there? What did you make of his performance overall, Jace? It was a, a, a really stupid thing to do that, that should have been a penalty. He had the referee seen it properly, and then about two minutes after that, he shanked that cross, didn't mm. he, when we got into a good position. Yeah. But, you know, I, there's been no bigger critic of Daddy Rose on this on this show than me I've been furious at him in the summer having said that he was by no means our worst he didn't have a good game but a couple of times he made massive saving tackles uh, a couple of blocks you know Danny Rose wasn't our Danny Rose wasn't our problem yesterday and and the other thing in fairness to him is actually very little 
of City's threat came down his side. You know, I don't think, don't really remember once them getting in and beyond Danny Rose down his side. So, you know, by that by by that nature, I don't think he was our worst player by by any means. The worrying thing for me, which with him yesterday, and and I don't want to pick on him after everything that happened in the summer, but there was the the incident in the second half, wasn't he, when he he thought he was fouled. Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. But he stayed on his knees pleading with the referee when the player's has gone. And you think, Danny, you've got to get up. You're, you're not going to change his decision. Get up, chase back. And um, he was nowhere to be... I think they ended up getting a corner from that. And it wasn't until we all get in positions in the corner that he eventually arrived back in our own penalty area. And, and that kind of summed up the last 20 minutes. It was as if heads have gone. We've given up. Oh, God, here they go. They're going to break and score again. And... But but as I say, his his wasn't the worst performance yesterday of by by any means. Can I ask you a question, James? Because I made a comment yesterday about Kyle Walker and selling to a rival. I know we had a chat about it off air. Um, Andrew Richardson asked, "Yes, City will win the league, no doubt. But we sold the best right back in the country to a rival. What's next? When can we expect? What can we expect from this season to prevent our other players leaving for City or clubs like that?" We had a chat about Rose off air this morning. Now, you asked me, what would you do about him if he was committed, if he wasn't committed? And I'd say if he wasn't committed, let him go. And then obviously you make the point in saying, well, there's only going to be a, a certain few clubs that Rose is going to want to go to, one of them being Man United, which is a direct rival. We're going to strengthen them and weaken us. What, what's your thoughts on Danny Rose? Because the links in the Sunday newspapers about Rose potentially leaving as a make-weight to bring in Ryan Sessegnon. What's your thoughts on sending to a rival overall, Jase? Well, I think that... It's it's not an ideal scenario to sell to a rival, but I think it's just it's the way of the world. Danny Rose, you know, as I said to you off air, what would you do with him? And we can apply it to Carl Walker. Carl Walker obviously got distracted during a tight running, and, and Pochettino found that disrespectful and says, I want him out of the club. Well, the problem is, Carl Walker's not going to go to Southampton. He's not going to go to Leicester. He's not going to go to West Brom. They're not going to come up with the money for him. And so you're left with, with perhaps, what, three clubs in England that are realistically going to be able to come up with the money for him, which is the two Manchesters and Chelsea. You think, OK, we'd like to sell him abroad. What happens if he doesn't want to go abroad? What happens if, if, if in Danny Rose's case, Real Madrid say, well, hold on, we've got Marcello. Why do, we want, why do we want 50 million Danny Rose? You go to Bayern Munich, they've got David Alabar. Well, so we don't want Danny Rose. You go to, to Paris, they've got Kazawa, who got actually got a Champions League game the other night. So they don't want Danny Rose. So the clubs that are going to come up with a money for Danny Rose don't want him, other than perhaps two Manchester clubs and Chelsea. And and you can keep a player, and you see it with Van Dijk at Southampton at the moment, a player that clearly doesn't want to be there, has no interest in being there. They're a liability in your team. So I think that the, the thing you have to do is you have to accept, look, he's going to go to a rival. They're the only ones that he wants to sign for. They're the only ones that are going to pay him 140 grand a week. That's where he's going. What you've got to do is replace him and, and look to, to do better on the replacement side than worry about where he's going. And in Carl Walker's case, I know what you said, Rick, but did we really sell him to a rival? They're 21 points clear of us. My only yeah, we didn't sell him case. to Burnley. We were a one no. point clear of us. I hear you, but before the start Burnley of the season... Burnley a rival to us at the moment. Yeah, yeah. no, I know. The only my argument is that, you know, second, yeah. they were a title rival. I, I understand that, but the reality is... They're not even a rival to Man United or Chelsea, let alone Tottenham at the moment. You know, the streets ahead of everyone. And as I say, the, the, sad, the sad part of the moment is Burnley are a bigger rival to us than Manchester City. Yeah. 
That's just truth, isn't it? As hard as painful as to say it, it is the truth. Um, so, you know, Liverpool, Liverpool have been able to hold Coutinho from Barcelona, but for, um, na- for now, <laughs> just for now, for now, mm. for now. But and and Coutinho's obviously got on with his job, in fairness to him. But it depends what the character the player is. And from the moment Danny Rose has said it as a, in in August, if he wants out and he's he's a is a nuisance, then you know by keeping the player, you're not making yourself any stronger. So you think. Get rid, get the money in, and you know when Fulham want Fulham are going to want thirty million for Sessignon, and I, I'm not saying you should necessarily pay thirty million, but for us to get thirty million, you've got to sell Danny Rose for fifty million to come out of it, and in which case he's only going to go to one or two clubs. And then what's the situation, Jase? You bring in Sessignon, Davis, for example, gets injured or whatever reason, maybe they're out the team. You bring in Sessignon in potentially in maybe a Champions League fixture against Juventus, just for argument's sake, say that. Or, again, away from home against a big club. We're expecting a guy here that's played in the Championship for a couple of seasons, very young kid to come in and hit the ground running. That's surely not, not fair on him either, is it? You know, the expectations on Sessignon will be, you know, we're buying this guy, probably. Fans out there will think in the same aspect that he's going to be as good as Danny Rose because we've paid that amount of money. How can we, how can you justify throwing him in straight away? It's a very hard one, isn't it, on that one with Sessignon? Absolutely it is. Um, you know, if we buy Ryan Sessignon, we're not buying him to be an immediate impact in the team now. That's, that's ridiculous, in fairness to him. It will take uh, it will take a year of Premier League football for him to, to get up to Premier League speed, you feel. He looks a really talented player at Fulham, but he's a player that, that I think a bit bearish in that he's played left-back for a lot of his time at Fulham, but he's nowhere... He's not what I call a left-back at all. And I wouldn't even necessarily say he's a wing-back. He's a player that I'm sure will end up playing much further up the pitch than he than he does now. But, of course, he's, he's inexperienced and young. And, and that's what I mean. It's, it's selling, selling Rose to a rival doesn't bother me. It's how you replace. And at the moment, Sessignon wouldn't be... You know, in two years' time, we might be glad we bought Sessignon. But, no, it, in the sense of now, I'd sooner us go and look for a genuinely established left-back at, at some club. But... But that's not easy, is it? Because if you went and they bought Ryan Bertrand, you know, he's, he's, he's the next one on the England list, or yeah. Cresswell's the next one on the England list. Neither of them are anywhere near 2016 version of Danny Rose, oh, so no. you would still be weaker. It's, it's very hard to do. Yeah. I tell you what, let's take some questions before we touch upon the second half of the City game. Um, this is from G-Star at Kane underscore again, who says, why can't Pochettino seem to adapt his tactics and game to the opposition in the Premier League like he has done in the Champions League? I don't think that's very fair, Jason. I mean, what's, your, what's your thoughts on that question? Well, I think in through, I think there's, a, there's another point made, made further down the, down the questions where mm-hmm. we've perhaps switched around our tactics too much. Yeah, so, that's another argument. You know, one so, person says we shifted too much. Yeah, yeah. Have we have we tinkered too much? Not enough. What do you think overall on the on the formation and tactics in the Premier League and Champions League? Have we have we I don't know focused on one more than the other to some degree? I don't think so. I think you know it's very easy with with. I mean, number one tactics. I've I've always said this. To me, it doesn't matter what tactical plan you come up with. The first thing you've got to get is players doing their jobs. And at nil nil yesterday we completely switched off, concede a soft goal. So your tactical plan, you think, uh, you know, what type of tactical plan stops you conceding that goal against City with a with a free header from a corner? That's just poor play where players don't do their jobs. And when players don't do their jobs, it doesn't matter what tactical plan you come up with. It really doesn't. And, and the frustration yesterday, it wasn't just that goal, was it? It's that we then conceded two goals from our own throw-on. 
where we clearly don't do our jobs. So to me, it's, it's irrelevant, your tactical plan, if you're going to make such stupid mistakes. I think, you know, we have switched our tactics around at times this year, but I think we're, we're kind of having with a tactical plan to the fitness of the team rather than, than when you've got our full strength side together and you can think, right, what do I really want to do from today's game? But at the moment, we're thinking, well, yesterday we play a back four because that's all we can do. We can only play a back four. So it's very difficult. We can't play with a proper defensive midfield player at the moment. So no tactical plan if you haven't got the, the, all the tools at your disposal. is that easy to come up with. And particularly against a, a really good... Let's be fair, 18 games, they've won 17. Yeah. So that doesn't excuse the 4-1. But, you know, Manchester City have played just about every, every tactical plan that's been thrown against them this year and beaten them. So, you know, it's not ideal, but... There's, there's a little bit of that, that that says they're a good side and they, they, they exposed us without a doubt. They did. Uh, Jay, another question in from Drew Styles at Drew Style 89 says, we've fared so well against teams using 3-4-2-1. Do you think having Davis in the back three would have made a difference against City? Not really. Not really. I don't think it would have done. Um, you know, Chelsea play with a back three. They were ripped to pieces in a game at Stamford Bridge by Manchester City. They lost. Okay, they only lost one nil, but the, the the fact was that they lost that game a lot more than one nil. If if you understand what I mean, City were rampant that day at Stamford Bridge. You know, Arsenal went there, I think, back three, and got ripped to pieces. They lose their three one, I think, they Arsenal. They so did, yeah. you know, it, it's. That's the problem at the moment. You know, I could understand, like I say, I could understand why we set up in the way that we did. City's weakness is Mangala and and uh, Otamendi. You've got to try and get at them, but you've got to get the ball to do it. And we're with a what with the 17th out of 18th teams that's really struggled to get the ball off of Manchester City. Mm-hmm. I mean, on that point, I've got to say that I was in favour of starting Danny Rose for his. Not as great as he's been this season. I still think Rose's pace would have been essential to us yesterday. And I still, I have no regrets on that. I don't think Rose had a horrendous game like we've said. I don't think it was a great game. I think it was a poor game. I think it was in between. He made a crucial tackle um, at 1-0 at the back end of the first half. A really good, you know, tackle there to kind of stop City from going two up. So, I think that question, it's such a difficult one to answer in hindsight. But here's another one that I think is an interesting one. This is on Alex Reddick, who says, why are we so late with changes? What was Pochettino waiting for? And I think that's a very good point, because from my perspective, Jace, um, Lamella comes on and we create a chance of in seconds. You know, I just think there's an argument there, Jace. Why are we making substitutions so late? They surely have to come early. And listen, I think there's a case where you can love Pochettino and still criticise some of his decisions. I think some people don't feel they can do that. I think you have to, because there is an argument out there that substitutions under Potts recently, they're coming far too late into games, which is stopping us from having an impact to some degree. Well, that, that's a very fair point. You know, at half-time, you thought something's got to change here yeah. at half-time. We, yeah. we, we need to do something different. And uh, the fact that we let it run seems strange, but maybe, I don't know, mate, I'm trying to see it from his point of view, maybe he looked at the start, those first 15, 20 minutes of the second half and thought, you know what, we, we are now starting to get a foothold in the game, so there's no need to change something. It's um, And Lamella did make an impact when he came on, but, um, you know, as I said, I, I just felt that we, we really needed the help in those central midfield positions more than, more than anything else. We needed the help in there, and we just haven't got the, the players to, to bring in there other than Moussa Sissoko. That's, that's all that was left for us. And I think that's part of the problem. But yes, you know, he, I thought he changed things too late yesterday. But 
you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing sometimes, isn't it? Hindsight's your best player and he's the best player to sign in a transfer window. It's always easy to be wise afterwards. It's true. I mean, listen, like we said, it's a minor miracle that he went in at 1-0 down to City at half-time. It could have destroyed us. They could have also had a penalty over Rose, like discussed. The second goal, Jace, there's a gaping space in Spurs' right-back spot there for De Bruyne to attack. Dyer, perhaps, could he have got across quicker? I mean, but again... I don't know, it's a, it's a really hard it, one that the judge isn't The it, problem is the goal. hole, isn't it? The, mm. the hole that Sarno and De Bruyne have to, to run into. I mm. think it was both both of them, which I think the second goal is when both of them were, were charging into that space, wasn't it? And De Bruyne yep, takes over. Mm. You know, Trippier's caught downfield because we're, we're trying to get ourselves back in the game, even though we don't deserve to be. Then there's that huge hole. But as I say, you know, one of your midfield players has got to get across and try and and help Dyer and, and make up for the loss of Trippier. And we saw it all afternoon. Nobody got across to into that spot to either help Trippier or cover for Trippier. That will obviously suck Dyer across. But if Dyer goes too quickly, there's there's players behind him, the other side of him, that are, are left unmarked. You know, you, you got Paul ragged and, and and you'll eventually get outnumbered. And against quality sides, you see that with the, the third goal. Sane's over to just cross it to another unmarked player. And, and that's... When you get ragged and you're not blocking the the gaps all over the pitch, then that that type of goal will happen, unfortunately. Mm. But um, it's a bit. I mean, more my worry with Dyer was was the third goal when he tried a, a fancy back heel that yeah, that never came off, and the fourth goal where he, I think he's just his it, almost his legs almost his by then he's run ragged and his legs just just can't get to can't block the ball and, and it was embarrassing. And the fourth goal summed it up, didn't it? With Hugo nutmegged, it was just a awful goal to concede again. Yeah. What did you make of Loris's performance, Jace, overall? There's some out there saying he was light years behind Edison. But, I mean, it's the argument with Hugo that we're making him play out from the back. He doesn't look comfortable with it, but we're still persisting at times. Is it, is it fair to put him under this kind of pressure? Because I think there was one point yesterday in the second half, the ball goes out for a throw-in. I think Vertonghen passed it back to him, goes out for a throw I mean, is it unfair to somewhat have to keep making him play this possession-based game at the back if he's not comfortable with it? Well, I think there was one of his one of his passes. Actually, I think Yan stopped on the byline. It almost went out for a corner. And if your own goalkeeper can seize a corner from a kick out, <laughs> you really have got problems. I think it's it's a it's a really valid point at the moment. We all love Hugo. We all know what an excellent shot stopper and his reflexes and that are. But if you are going to play out from the back against, as I say, you know, with teams that sit deep for us and, and invite us to have a go at them, it's not so much of a problem. But but against the size that will press and, and, and then have the quality to do something when they get the ball, Hugo's kicking is a is a massive, massive problem. And um, you do start to think, if we are going to play this way and compete at the top end, you do need a goalkeeper with better distribution than that. And I'm not going to say he's the next Joe Hart because he's a lot better goalkeeper overall than Joe Hart. But mm. you did see the difference with Edison yesterday. I mean, the... The one goal kick I think he took in the second half well, that he pinged out over Vertonghen's head. Yeah, 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 it was like out of Elro's pinpoint it was passing. An astonishing goal yeah. kick, wasn't it? That was. Mm. And um, you actually saw a, a goal kick in the week. I go back to that Leicester Southampton game. Kasper Michael set up a goal with a with a goal kick that he put along the floor right through, yeah. right through, uh, right through Southampton's midfield. That was a brilliant goal kick as well. But we, we, maybe it is time to think. If, if that's the way we're going to play, we can't we can't be having Hugo inviting the pressure on us like that. So it's it's a problem for sure. Otherwise, you've got to start kicking long. The problem when you kick long is if you've only got Kane up front, 
the ball is almost certainly going to be won by them and come straight back at you. That's that's the the problem with it. The irony is, Jason Hugo, he's probably the only keeper who could get away playing this way in Spurs' most modern history. You look up, back at our goalkeepers, I think I mentioned to you off air, the likes of Robertson, Casey Keller, you go back, Espen Bartson, Ian Walker, you couldn't you couldn't even look to dream about playing the way we want to play out the back. No, not at all. No. And, and as I say, we still have a fantastic goalkeeper yeah, overall. Yeah. But but his kicking is 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 a problem. But and, and that's the thing, isn't it? If if his kicking's a problem, you can't persist in it. And and that maybe is the the stubbornness of of Pochettino for him to to say no. We're going to play out from the back when you don't have a, the again you don't have all the tools at your disposal to do it. it. It's a problem. Do you think third and fourth goal, Jason? Not to look too much into them. Is that more down to tide than anything else? Because of a tongue and slides and under Bruyne catches him. Definite definite penalty. He's lucky to get away from a booking as well, like you said. I can't believe he, he got away with that there. Unbelievable. Well, I'm astonished he yeah. wasn't booked. I don't, astonished I can't he wasn't booked. That. But, I mean, it started, didn't it? It was a ball inside to Dyer that, yeah. that he tried to to, to do a, a Johan Cruyff turn. And and that then left us cruelly exposed. But, yeah, I think you're, you're then you're talking about... I think you're talking about a few dropped heads yeah. by then, which is the worry for me. There were some tired legs out there, mentally tired, physically tired, having been given the run about. Um, but the worry for me, I, I thought I saw a few dropped heads, and um, you know, Delhi, Delhi's head himself seemed to drop, didn't it? And you started to look at that, and, and that's well, that's the concern for me. I was going to ask you about Delhi. What, what are you making of Delhi's performances? And he was a, a rash tackle yesterday. He's lucky to have not got sent off. But overall, again, Jason, another game where you want your big players to step up. The likes of Ali Eriksson, all right, he scored at the end, consolation goal. But apart from that, really, both of them didn't really have an impact on this one, Jason. No, he didn't. I think, I think it's slightly different with Ericsson because, for me, if if you're playing as a traditional number ten, then you need to get the ball in the right areas to really create. And there was a couple of times we did get the ball to Ericsson in the, in and around the edge of their box. He slipped one little ball through to who was it in the second half. I think it was Rose might have got onto a a, a little slip ball inside uh, on the far side of the pitch, and and obviously he then scores because you've got the ball to him in the right area. But if Ericsson's having to come chasing back to help the defence and then when Ericsson gets the ball he's 70 yards away from their goal he's not going to create much 70 yards from their goal that's that's the problem when you have a number 10 and Ozil gets a lot of criticism in the same way and I, there's times I think well you know if he's going to have to charge backwards he's not going to create too many goals from backwards but Delhi's performance again just not good enough like Let's be fair, like so many in the team, not good enough no, yesterday. Yeah. And, and you, you're right, you need your big players in these big games to stand up for you. And and at the moment, he's, he's just not doing that for us. Uh, no bigger fan of Deli Ali than me, but I have to accept he's, he's clearly nowhere near the level we need him to be at at the moment. And, and What do you do, James? Do you, all... bring, do you bring Lamella back in for him at the moment? Because he's, Lamella's clearly making more of an impact in a couple of minutes than what Deli's making... An overall game at the moment, is there that argument, or do you leave Delhi on the pitch hoping that he'll work his way back into form? It, it's a real tough one. What would you do? My, my instinct is still, I think you've, you've just got to try and get Delhi through it. Um, but you perhaps only know that if you're you're sitting down with him on a Monday to Friday and, and seeing what he's doing in training. Is he is he really trying hard, or almost is he trying too hard to to work things out, or do you look at him and think, do you know what, your your head's not there at the moment? I think that that's a difficult question, but for me, I always want to see Deli Ali play. I do, but I accept he's nowhere near good enough at the moment to to justify a place in the team. And but it is perhaps the the lack of of other players and and the fact that we've got so many 
so many players missing and not quite fit that he's keeping me in the team. Yeah, it's a, it's a real conundrum at the moment with Delhi. A, a fabulous player, but clearly off form. So it'll be interesting to see what Pochettino does with him up against his Burnley game, which we are. You know, gonna... there's people that want to drop Ericsson as well, isn't there? Yeah, this is it. So yeah. if you say, okay, we'll leave Delhi and Ericsson out, <laughs> you've only got Lamella to come in. Oh, is it? Yeah. What are you going to do? We'll play with 10 men. So, you know. Or we bring your, or we bring your mate into Soko, JC midfield. But then, you know, Dembele doesn't deserve to be starting games at the moment. And no. that's the thing. We're, yeah. we're trying to find a, a team of 11 from perhaps seven players at the moment. And well, you know, you're going to be... You can't you can't play seven aside against 11, can you? Is that the argument then, Jace? We need to maybe look at the midfield in January. Do you think Barkley, this rumour, doesn't want to go away? Still keeps persisting. We might get some more news on it, hopefully, with a special guest on our Christmas show. But what do you think, Jace? Well, we, we, we definitely need legs in there and... You know, you have the option to recall Josh Onoma, but let's be fair yeah, about that's, it. Uh, that's a question from Mohamed Surti asked that. Onoma, do you foresee a lone, call, a, a lone recall? Maybe the shot well, midfield? I, I can see him being called back, but I, I, don't, I really don't see that as solving the problem because he's struggling now at Villa. He had a really good start at Villa. Now he's he's, he's starting to struggle at Villa. And then you've got to step, step up again from, them Premier, from Championship to Premier League. It's a completely different kettle of fish as well. Well, exactly. You know, mm. we shouldn't be calling back Josh Onomar to save our, not quite save our season, but to boost us. But he no. would be another a fit player in there. I think the problem with Ross Barkley, we're also talking about we've we've perhaps rushed players back a couple of times this season. We mm. have to bear in mind that I, I want us to sign Ross Barkley and I want us to sign him in, in January to make sure we get him. The problem is he hasn't kicked a ball all season. So, you know, how much use is Ross Barkley going to be for the first two or three months as, as he gets his way back to match fitness? So, even by signing Barkley, I, I don't think that actually solves the problem for, for right now. You almost feel like you need to go and buy a, a real central midfield player that can play games now, that he's Premier League ready now. And hopefully when Yama coming back will we'll help that scenario a bit. But we're definitely short in there and we definitely need to, to solve something in January in that area of the pitch. Because I don't think any of us foresaw the, the fall-off in Moussa Dembele. We all knew that he struggles to get through 90 minutes. We all knew that he was carrying injuries and things. But the fall-off in Moussa Dembele has been really alarming. Mm. I'm going to throw more questions at you, Jace, as we um, eat up the time. So, Darren Taylor says, Why buy Foyth and move Dyer out of midfield? Should have got someone who Potts trusted. Surely a waste of money we, ha- surely a waste of money we haven't got. I'm not too sure what he means by that, but can you get your, get your thoughts on that one? Well, how much did 4th Indian cost? It was, was about, it was what, minimal, 9 million or something? Yeah, by Premier League standards, that's not. I mean, in fairness, yeah. in fairness, he went and bought Sanchez for 42 million. Yes. And and the other thing, in fairness, that that's the frustration with Sanchez is sending off. Oh, of course, yeah. You know, we're at a stage of the season where we are body short, we are having to put square pegs in round holes, mm. and there's a player that stupidly got himself sent off where, again, whether people think it was a sending off on the day or not, he still did something that gave the referee a decision to make and if you do that, it can go against you and and that was a, a, you know, we need players, we need our fit players on the pitch, not sitting in the stands watching, and again you know, that would have been the frustration with Ali, and, I mean, if, if Ali and Kane had got sent off yesterday, God knows what team we'd have picked at Burnley we can't we can't afford indiscipline at the moment when we're struggling to get players on the pitch. Mm. Well, we're going to talk about Burnley in a couple of seconds. Chris Lawson asks, well, more of a statement than he asks. He says, with the resources we have, we have, we are punched above our weight. This team is doing better than it should be. New stadium is key, in my opinion. We are building for the future. Patience needed. Thoughts. Future's bright. Future's lily white. <laughs> are we at a stage, Jace, to try and um, 
be positive. We always are normally, but it's still raining. Isn't it? You well, see the feet. He makes a good point. It's true that it's I agree with him. Mm. I agree with him. You know, yeah. we're trying to compete with. I mean, you know, the top three are what I call the, the three elite clubs in the Premier League. They're the clubs that can throw money at things, and it's it's not a problem to them. Mm. Although Chelsea, in fairness, don't perhaps quite do the spending they used to do. They can still more they can still go out and throw yeah. money. Yeah, they still got. And them. so mm. you know, you're competing with with the three elite clubs, and you don't have the finances. You don't have elite finances ourselves. I, I keep, you know, everyone keeps saying about uh, we've got to release, we've got to, you know, do something with the wage bill. But we're the sixth biggest turnover with the sixth biggest wage bill. And those five clubs above us all pay more in wages and we get in total income. So that stadium is, is vital to increase our, our income to give the player. And, you know, yes, you could give Toby another 20 grand a week, but that puts him on what? 70 grand a week. You, know, you need Toby on 150. You need Kane on 180. If you put them on 180 or 150, would you need to put Deli Alley on? If you put Deli Alley on 140, would you need to put Ericsson on? And if Toby's on 130 a week, what does Jan need to be on? Um, and so yeah. suddenly, suddenly our wage bill goes up at about 40, 50 million quid that we just don't have. See, the, we can't the, just do it for two or three. See, I remember I, I made you off at that point last night to you, Jason, that the narrative um, a radio station was going with last night was that, you know, it's all about the money side of things. Players are seeing who they're up against. So you've got Rose up against Walker. He knows his mate is on double trouble than what he's on. But I can't simply put that down to the main reason we lost the game. And I, and I struggle no, why media outlets do that. I don't know why they kind of go down that line of that. It's all about, you know, it's more about what they're being paid as a, res, as a result of a bad performance or a bad result. I don't believe that at all because players ultimately, every time they're going out there, they're out there to prove their worth in order to better their career. So I certainly don't think they're going to put in a bad performance because of what they're no. being paid. No, I, I don't think you can blame that. Uh, um, but but we certainly don't seem to have quite the spirit that w- this year that we've had um, that we've had in the first two, and, and maybe there was a little bit of of that in amongst it. But as I say, you know, if you want to compete with Manchester City, and and people say Carl Walker left for that money, and and say okay, well we'll do the same. Let's pay our let's pay Danny Rose or whoever it is. Forget the name. Let's pay our right back and left back the level that Manchester City do. So we'll, we'll make our left-back 140 grand a week. What have you got to put Kane on? Because most people will say the full-backs is, is one of the lowest-paid positions in the team. And we just can't do it, no matter how much people want it to be. We all know the risks of not. We all know that we could lose players. But that stadium is vital to, to help in that. And, and until we get that revenue up, we can't pay those wages. You know, we could give all our players a, a minimal rise, 20 grand a week. But... But that means Danny Rose is now on, what, 90 grand a week and he still looks at Walker on 50 grand a week more than him. You're not going to close that gap. Yeah. I think, in terms of City, I think we've done that to, we've done that to justice now as painful as it's been looking back on. John Alexander asks, my question is, how do we sh- fix it short-term until all these players are back? I understand that there are injuries, are, I understand that the injuries are major and won't be a quick return. How do we look ahead to the coming games? And Burnley being up next, Jace, I know it's a week away. We don't know where we're going to stand in a week's time. Sanchez will come back in, obviously, to that team, fingers crossed. It's, what, it's, what would you do? it's a good question because, mm. really, you're just putting sticking plaster on things at the moment. As I say, we've got players that are out there that clearly aren't good enough at the moment, but are having to stay out there. And I don't know what you do, certainly over the next three games, until that transfer window opens and... Uh, hopefully you can bring a couple of bodies in, but until then, you know Sanchez will come back for Burnley, which is a which is a help because hopefully that then we can play four two three one with Dyer in midfield. I'd sooner do that than play Ben Davis as the left sided of three with 
with then Jan Vertonghen as the middle of the three and Sanchez as the outside one on the right-hand side. So for me, go 4-2-3-1 at, at Burnley, put Dyer in midfield, give us a little bit, you know, hopefully he can get in and around the pitch a lot better than, than Winks and, and Dembele's done. Uh, and that might help us a little bit. But, um, you know, the worry is Jan's still on that fourth yellow and he's not going to go three games without picking up a yellow card. I can't see that. Oh, so even with that, he gets booked game. at Burnley. <laughs> no, exactly. He gets booked at Burnley. Then again, then you're playing, you're playing what the Southampton game on Boxing Day with, with Dyer having to go back into the defence again to cover Jan's suspension. So, you know, there's, there's no easy fix at the moment. There really isn't. It's It's a question of just just having to get through this really difficult period. And, and I wish I could be more positive than that. But the reality is you can't be. There's, there's, you know, there's, we've got all the bodies in and around the first team squad that you can possibly get. You just hope that, that one or two of our big players will stand up in those next three games and show their quality. And per, per, because we're playing three teams of a worse quality than us, that that quality will get us through. Even if it's a, a scrappy 1-0 win, you're just going to have to get through it like that at the moment. You mentioned about January there, Jasper, bringing a couple of bodies. I think the last player we signed in January was Deli Ali, so that tells you in itself we we aren't normally renowned for signing many players in January. We've done it in the in the days of you know under Redknapp when arguably at the time we was desperate when that relegation battle we brought in the likes of Palacios yeah. and Defoe. But it's well known that we're not a club that operates in January. Although Pochettino did come out a couple of weeks ago and say that from his perspective, he would like us to go and operate in January because he wants to get players. Um, put in early to the club and, you know, to understand the culture and the way we play. On that basis, then, can you maybe see, is, is that an indication that you would like to see something happen in January? Is that more of a statement from him that he wants to see business done earlier overall? Yeah, I think he, I think he would do. We know that, Jan, I mean, you know, we signed Sahar and Nelson in January, which yeah. is always the, <laughs> the one that gets thrown at us, isn't oh, course, it? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, in the last couple of years, I'm not so sure he's, he's genuinely wanted anyone in January because I think the feeling in January is if you're not going to, if you're just bringing in a body for the sake of it and you're not going to improve your squad, it's it's a bit of a waste of time. And the, let's be fair, the players that would, in theory, improve Tottenham's squad are, are going to be players that are of Champions League standards. And Champions League clubs are not going to sell one of their players halfway through a season when they're still in the Champions League. So um, that's a problem. But we definitely need some bodies in because we are... I think, you know, we're reaching the stage where we've... I'm not saying crisis by any means, but... We're performing nowhere near to the levels that we need to be performing at, and therefore, perhaps one or two bodies in will just, you know, almost lift the spirits of one or two players, particularly if it's a, a decent player. And we definitely need some bodies in because we're so short at the moment. And, and as I say, Josh Onomar coming back is not the type of extra body, or, or Carter Vickers coming back. They're not the bodies that I want to see coming in in January. Mm. Any immediate thoughts, Jess, going into Burnley? You've always argued that for you it's it's always been the bigger game out of the two. I know we always say the next game's the most important, but you could argue in terms of the league aspect, Burnley, it's, um, it is a lot more crucial to where we are placed at the moment than where Man City are, because I think anyone can say Man City, they're going to walk this. What's your thoughts on Burnley? Because um, they've surprised a lot this season. They've been a surprise package. Sean Dyche has done a wonderful job there. It's not going to be easy, is it, this game? Well, I'll say it tongue-in-cheek, our away record against the top six isn't good, so next week gives us a chance to improve it, doesn't it? It does, yeah. You know, they're above us, and they're a point clear. And, and deservedly. What we can't on, do... On, deservedly as well, they've played well. Absolutely. Yeah, played brilliant. Absolutely. Mm. And what we've got to learn is that everyone is again saying, well, they won't stay there all season, but we kept saying that about Leicester. We did, And, yeah. and we need to learn from Leicester. So we can't, 
we can't wait for Burnley to fall backwards. We've got to seize the initiative and get above them. And, you know, if you lost there, you're four points behind them. Confidence is, is, doesn't look great at the moment in the team. And with that fixture list we've got coming up of West Ham's, of Arsenal's, of Man United's, of Liverpool's all coming up in the what the next six or seven weeks before that first leg of the Champions League game, it, it's hard to see you putting three or four straight wins together. So, you know, we certainly don't want to be coming away from Turf Moor next week four points behind yet another team. Um, by then, it, and we're seven points now, what? We're seven points behind Man United and Chelsea. And we know how hard chasing down seven-point leads is at this stage of the season. We, we couldn't do it with Chelsea. We couldn't do it with Leicester. So you are now looking at it thinking it's false. We, we, we've got to be honest and say at the moment, I mean, if you offered us fourth now, we'd grab our hands, wouldn't you? You'd bite your oh, hand cool. yeah, you would. fourth yeah, now yeah. and say, right, blow the whistle on the season, we'll take fourth. And from going into the season as hopefully being in a title race, that, that's a worry. But that's the reality of the situation. So it's going to be a, a really tough game. You, you burn, you don't concede many goals. They've, I can't think they've had one tonking this year if they Burnley. I think they've, if they've lost games, they've lost it by the odd goal. They've, uh, I think Manchester City are the only one that have... have I've talked them in fair. I think Man City beat them 3-0. But other than that, you know, look at Arsenal go there. You know, they won at Chelsea. Arsenal go there, rely on a 90th minute penalty the other day to get a result. And in fairness with us, even last year we went up there. It was a really ugly, ugly 2-0 win when we were playing really well last year. They made us work hard. So it's a massive game next week. It really is. And um, as I said, it, it, it's far, far more influential on our season than the Manchester City game was going to be. Yeah, N17 at Steve 1985 asked this question, James. I think I know your answer already, but I'm going to ask you it anyway. He says, we're clearly not our best this season. Getting fourth is going to be a hard fight. So come the end of the season, would we rather have the Champions League football or BFA Cup winners? I mean, I listen, I know what I would rather. I want us to win a trophy. But at the same time, I think, as I've said many times on this show, I think the way Spurs' structure is around the stadium is that Champions League is absolutely essential for Tottenham um, in order for the club to obviously make sure they're balancing the books right. Is that how you see it as well? I think as a fan, you always will want the trophy. But I think for the importance of the club moving forward, if we want to stay where we've, we've got to in the last few years, I think you have to you have to go down that Champions League route because if we don't have that, then you've got no chance. Of, if, if we can't compete with the elite at the moment, you'd have no chance of competing without that Champions League football. And I fear that, you know, you could win an FA Cup and if you're not in that top four, you'll see a lot of the players want to leave next year anyway. And, and the big clubs will come circling circling around them so I think from the club's point of view looking at us as uh, over the next five years we have to try and stay as a Champions League club but I understand as a fan of course you want to win trophies and I'm not not suggesting you you, you just dismiss a trophy at all but you know I, I fear that if we win the trophy in two years time we'll end up as a real mid-table club that, that we were for for much of the early 2000s. Yeah, it's a hard one, isn't it? I mean, like you said, we all want to see the club be successful in terms of trophies, but Champions League football, you'd feel in terms of Tottenham's structure, it's absolutely essential. Guys, we are going to be back with a very special Christmas episode of The Last World and Spurs coming your way very soon. Me and Jason have come on this morning and given you some kind of city therapy. I hope it's done it justice for you. We are going to be back very soon. Jace, any final thoughts from you before we sign out? No, I'm sorry it was, was such a flat <laughs> podcast today. There wasn't much positive to say, but sometimes you have to be honest and and look at it in that way you, you can't 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 possibly dress up yesterday to anything that it wasn't so it was a it was a bad day let's let's hope we're all celebrating next week at Burnley and and get the win to take us into Christmas 
Fingers crossed, guys. Fingers crossed. Thank you, Jace, as always. Um, we're going to get your questions onto our Twitter account very, very soon, guys. Um, as you know, you can see all of Jason's answers to your questions on our Twitter. If you don't know where it is already, that's at last word on Spurs. As always, guys, have a great week. Keep strong. And come on, you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.